If you want to pull up the reading with me, I would love to read for you the lectionary gospel reading for today, which is John 14, verses 15 through 21, in which Christ says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you'll know that I am in my creator, my father, the divine. That's my, that's my addition. And you're in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by God and I will love them and re reveal myself to them. We hear the voice of the divine in the reading of these sacred words. Thanks be to God. So um, this passage in John 14, it happens right after Jesus and the disciples share the Passover meal together. And that is the meal from which we derive our Eucharistic tradition that we follow today. And it also happens after Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, during which time he tells them, this is in the previous chapter, John 13, uh, Christ tells them, a new command I give you, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my followers if you love one another. So this is all being said after the Last Supper and after the foot washing session and before Christ's arrest in Gethsemane. And during this time, it feels like um, like like this liminal space in which Christ is trying urgently to give his followers some comfort and some hope, but also to keep them on the track and remind them of their number one priorities. And it strikes me as I read this text and put it into its context of when, what's happening here and how is Christ feeling and how are the, the, the disciples feeling. It strikes me that we too are in need of comfort and hope and a reminder of what our priorities are which is our number one priority is to love one another, which is Christ's greatest commandment. And also that the spirit of God, the spirit of the divine is with us and among us and is accessible to us now as we navigate this moment in time, which on so many levels calls us both collectively and in our little corner of the world here to tend to grief and lament. So I'm thinking today in terms of community and connection and oneness and how to love one another well. I'm thinking today in terms of communal hope. So before I really dive in, I just want to let you know a couple of things about, about today's talk. So uh, first, you'll hear me use the term BIPOC. That stands for Black, Indigenous, and Persons of Color, B-I-P-O-C. And I encourage you to have a pencil ready and a little paper 
close by so that you're ready to jot down any other terms that you haven't heard of for later research. So um, here's another thing. I want you to understand that uh, I, I do not claim to be an expert on racial justice, on white supremacy, or on advocacy, but I am a humble student of these issues, and I put myself under the teaching of BIPOC so that I can continue to learn to divest myself from white supremacy and what's called whiteness and use my privilege for good. So I make mistakes and I do it imperfectly. And my hope is that you're on that journey of doing this, even if it's imperfectly with me. Okay, those are my preliminaries. Now, sorry, my squeaky chair is always getting me. I need some WD-40. Um, okay, so Mark Charles is a Navajo leader who actually is running for president right now. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Mark Charles and he has been a part of my education on the truth of American history. He's helped me put away some illusions that weren't true about American history, particularly. He also talks a lot about trauma. He was actually just live this morning on Facebook talking about lament and grief and trauma, which he says are so important. And I think that we're on that wavelength with him. So he quotes a guy named George, I think it's George Erasmus, who is an, ab an Aboriginal leader from Canada. And George Erasmus says, this quote is in the guide, you can check it out there also. Where common memory is lacking, where people do not share in the same past, there can be no real community. Where community is to be formed, common memory must be created. Now, this is deep wisdom on oneness from an indigenous leader, and we do well to listen. In his teachings and writings, Mark Charles advocates for what he calls truth and conciliation, in which we of disparate memory come together to listen, hear truth, and begin to understand and empathize with one another. Hey, Joyce is saying she can't see the link to the guide, so can somebody drop it in the comments for me? I thought I put it in the, in the description, but if somebody could just help me out, Aurelia or Matt, thank you. Um, okay, truth and conciliation. So we of disparate memory come together to, he to hear truth and to listen to one another and begin to understand and empathize with one another. Um, and more specifically, this is listening work. F those from the dominant culture need to do toward those of the marginalized and oppressed culture. Because often the folks from the, the marginalized the marginalized culture have already learned how to navigate two cultures. And it's us who, uh, who are from the dominant culture who need to understand another perspective. Thank you, Lyle. Lyle's got the guide in the comments if you need him. So, for instance, to, to explain what I mean by this. Okay, for instance, white males in this country may remember the legacy of this nation 
as one of prosperity, of freedom, and of the American dream. BIPOC may remember the legacy of this nation as one of genocide, one of lynching, one of Jim Crow, one of institutionalized racism and erasure. And both of these experiences, both of these experiences exist in our memories and they exist in our memories in diverging ways, okay? Our memories are not the same depending on who we are. And as part of our work as what I call people of active love, part of our work is to learn to listen to stories and memories that are different from ours and hold them in tension with our own stories and memories and experiences and to validate and hold space for those stories that are not ours. This is very nuanced work. It takes a long time to get the hang of it. It takes persistence on our part as the, the, we, those of us who are part of the dominant culture, uh, which is white culture, which is white supremacy. Um, and it takes persistence and humility for, from us, especially for white people who've never learned, who've never had to learn how to code switch. And if you don't know what code switching means, jot it down so you can go back and, and research that term later. So this is a time in which we are realizing, it's always been true, but we're waking up to it more than ever. We're realizing that we do not share a common memory and that our experiences of this country are vastly different. So if we're white and privileged, we tend to exist in relative safety, at least as far as the outside world is concerned. And we're not generally in danger of, say, being shot while doing ordinary things like jogging if we're white. And if we're white, we can, we can go uh, our whole lives blind to the white supremacy and racism, and not to mention the plain old ignorance and cultural insensitivity that our BIPOC siblings experience daily and chronically. So because of our race, we have deeply dissonant experiences and memories. And because we white people are the ones who are privileged and safe, it is on us to educate ourselves and to elevate the voices and get in proximity to teaching from diverse voices. Whether that's by buying their books or subscribing to their Patreons. Do you know that Patreon is a wealth of educational information for us? or by, pay, once it's safe, paying to attend conferences where they are being paid to speak, etc. So, yes, all right, it, an observation, not a judgment, but yes, we are a predominantly white community. Yes, we deeply love and value those BIPOC who are in our community, and yes, we wish we were more diverse in our population, but here's the thing, okay? Hear me on this. Here's the thing. We wouldn't expect people of color to educate us anyway. We would not presume to rely on BIPOC to expend their energy doing emotional labor. Okay, that's another term to jot down and look up if you don't know what it means. To do the emotional labor 
of explaining themselves and their worldview to a predominantly white congregation because we can do this work. We can do this digging and exploring ourselves simply by using the Google. I had the privilege in the, in the fall, in September, of hearing Dr. Alicia Reyes Barrientes, uh, who's going to be one of our Dig Deep speakers soon. Uh, she said it, nevertheless, she preached last year. She said this, that was such a memorable quote. She said, if you can Google how to make an apple pie, you can Google white supremacy. Amen. We can do this work by centering the voices of marginalized people as our teachers. In this, I am very proud of the assets that we have collectively. So our curiosity is an asset. Our humility is an asset. Our willingness to undergo transformation is an asset. Our willingness to put forth effort in educating ourselves is an asset. Our willingness to change our ways when we realize that we've gotten off the track of love is an asset. Our willingness to apologize. These are our our communal strengths that we both have inherently and we have the ability to cultivate. And these, my friends, these are our communal hope. Now, there are some practical ways that we begin to do this together as we seek to follow the command of Christ to love one another. And the first is going back to that idea of common memory. So right now in the time of COVID-19, we can't safely listen to one another in person for the most part. But we can educate ourselves. We can educate ourselves by reading books and listening to podcasts and supporting teachers and activists on platforms like Patreon. Uh, and to that end, Matt and Aurelia and I are working on uh, a new page of our website entitled Common Memory. So this page is going to contain a list of resources that inform us, that inform our community on issues like social justice, anti-racism, just policy, trauma-informed theology, liberation theology, historical accuracy. And these are, these are books that we hope will become part of YouTube videos, Yes Story, that we hope that will become part of our collective common memory. And they are resources that we hope will center the voices of folks who are often unheard. So this page, it's not up yet, but once it gets up, here's what we know. It will always be an ongoing work in progress. It will never be fixed, just as we as a community are an ongoing work in progress. We are always learning, we are always adjusting, we are always holding things lightly, and we are always growing. So look for that page to appear in the next couple of weeks. And what you can do is take a look of it, at it, and choose a few resources to bring into your consciousness. That'll come in the, in the next week or two. We're, we're working on it, um, and we'll, we'll promote it on the website and Instagram and whatnot. So that's the first just practical way that we can create common memory. The second is by means of our dig deeps. 
and the other experiences that we provide as a community. So we are committed to providing opportunities for our folks to increase our common memory, both among ourselves and in solidarity with people of varying backgrounds. So an example of this is our recent, which was in recent, by recent, I mean October, our recent trip to El Paso that we took for the purpose of learning about the situation at the border and the plight of the immigrants there, there, both there and along the entire southern border of the country. So that's one example. Another example is our up upcoming Dig Deeps. One is exploring the converging philosophies of Christ and Buddhism. Another is exploring the, the experiences of various personalities during this traumatic time via the Enneagram. So we're learning to understand one another and love one another better. And another is on the topic of unlearning racism. Where is the camera? Please register for these events. They're free and they're on Zoom and they're led by highly, highly educated experts and you don't have to leave your home or get out of your pajama pants. The, and these dig deeps, friends, these are part of our common memory. They are part of our learning to live in solidarity and allyship with the oppressed and how to love one another well. Please take advantages of these opportunities to create common memory. They are some of our best efforts during this time. It matters that you and I show up to learn. What we do collectively to educate ourselves matters and the fact that we do this as a community gives me hope. Let me tell you what else we have that gives me great hope. Our ability to hold space for lament and grief. You see, around here, we are practicing the spiritual discipline of authentic grief and lament. We are learning to not try to breeze through experiences that are hard. When the suffering comes, we know that it's our teacher. When the doubt comes, we know that we are encountering the holy. When the defensiveness appears, we know that something in our core has been activated. When the tears come rolling down our faces, we know that we are feeling something raw and real. When the rage comes, we know that it's heralding a transformation. When the losses come, we know that our true selves are being invited to revelation. And the truth of it is, very few among us can hold firm to that knowing in the midst of the difficulty without help. It takes the voices of those close to us to remind and affirm us. Yes, there is the rage, your transformation is coming. Yes, there is the doubt, your truth is coming. Yes, there are your tears of loss, you were given something worth having and we see your pain. We 
need each other's wise voices to remind us of who we are, even amidst the hardest seasons of our lives and the most baffling difficulties of our lives. We need the liturgy, the work of the people that constantly points us to the suffering Christ, the suffering servant, the foot washer, the man acquainted with grief, the one who, my friends, paused in the road to embrace his friend Mary and weep with her over her lost brother Lazarus. We must hold space for the deep pain that we will all of us inevitably encounter in this life. We bear witness and we bear one another's burdens as the scripture admonishes us. We bear witness both to those inside of our community and also we bear witness by creating common memory with folks outside of our corner of the world and learning about their perspectives and experiences. None of this is easy. And none of it is optional if we want to become mature Christ followers. We are not about easy answers here. We are not going to shove platitudes down your throat. Instead, we are going to teach each other to pay attention to our real lives and our real hurts and our real messes and our real questions so that we can find the real essence of God in the chaos of them. And we are going to teach each other to listen to practice listening to the stories and experiences and perspectives of people who are very different from us so that we can heal ourselves and help envision a healed world and midwife it into existence here on earth. Here's what I know. I know that I can't learn to be a good anti-racist on my own. I know I can't learn to be an intersectional feminist, there's another word to jot down, on my own. I know I can't learn and practice good, consistent, gentle parenting on my own without a community and without a village. I know that I will never write the songs and prayers and poems and sermons that I'm capable of writing unless I have a community to write for and with. I will never reach my full potential as a human being without a community speaking into my life and inspiring me and holding me accountable and questioning my motives, pointing out my blind spots saying things that make me feel defensive and then reflective. And I derive so much hope from this, from a community that I can make mistakes with and be authentic with and apologize to and practice forgiveness with and imagine a better world with and breathe that world into being with.
Amen? My friends, I believe that we are divinely inspired beings put here to radiate the expansive love of God. And I believe that we echo the imago dei of God in part by being in community and in relationships as the creator, the child, the son, and the spirit are in Trinitarian community. This, this is hopeful. We don't have to go this life alone. We don't have to get everything perfect because we have siblings alongside us who will help us see the planks in our eyes. Thank you, my friends. Thank you for being part of this communal work. This creating common memory. This holding space for one another's grief. This learning how to feel and not numb out. This serving one another. This common spirit who does not leave us orphaned in this world and who divinely connects us to every other human being. This is our communal hope. Amen. Amen. All right. Catch Matt on the flip side. I love you all.